Unless there has been an unexpected recess or adjournment, the special session of the Tennessee legislature is underway now, and Gary and I engage in a little prognostication. We also highlight some of the important debates from our first town hall in Franklin and look forward to seeing you at the next one. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. Selling my soul. Oh, yeah. Okay, so Oliver Anthony, Richmond, north of Richmond. I know this one. Which is not even his real name. Did you know that? I did know that. I saw his big. It's, it's Chris, right? Christopher Anthony. He said yes. his grandfather's name was Oliver Anthony. Yes. So, Gary, you are up to speed. Yeah, I know this stuff, man. His, his legal name. Let's keep playing that, though, because. Is it Lewis or Lucas? I can't remember what his last name was. Uh, Lunsford. Lunsford. It was an L. Christopher Anthony Lunsford. That's the truth. Yeah, just raw. Thing is, I believe there's rich men in Nashville that want the same thing. Yep. Yeah, DC is is a uh, is representative of so many cities, and you got the cabal of of those in government with those in business who have all the temporal power. Epstein didn't kill himself. By the way, <laughs> it's just throwing that in. It is it is remarkable. Now, look, you don't have to be talking about fudge rounds like that, though. Seriously. Do we have to bring the fudge rounds into it? It's. I want to let this finish because it's short. It's the simplicity mm-hmm. of it. Not just the words, but the music. It's, there's something about the simplicity. Yep. There's nothing. It's so raw, Gary. It's not produced. And and he even talks about it that way. He said, right? I'm not a good musician. <laughs> he says, I'm not a good person. I'm not a good musician. And that's what makes it so impressive. Yeah. So we can let that fade. I wanted to... um, So, you know, when these stories come out, a guy like this is going to be attacked immediately by anyone who feels challenged by his message. And um, what's amazing about this gentleman, who, again, goes by Oliver Anthony, and his real name is Christopher Anthony Lunsford. His grandfather was Oliver Anthony... He's got such a life story that is broken, and he is so he's poor, right? He's from Appalachia. Yep. He's he's an admitted alcoholic. He says his own words. He says, "I'm a terrible person. I'm not." It, he he. There's nothing that the left can do to him now because 
lives in he's a trailer. Admitted. Lives yeah. in a trailer he bought off a of Craigslist. So he's admitted all the things that they would normally use to be able to control someone. He's yeah. like, yep, I'm that. Yep, I'm this. Yep, I'm that. And so then what do they do? They shift to trying to buy him yep. into corruption. Record deals. He's turned it down. He said, so I'm reading from um, a Blaze story that came out today or last night. He said, I've been browsing through, as you can imagine, because he said over 25 million plays of that song in the last week alone. 50,000 messages and emails. He said, the stories that have been shared paint a brutally honest picture. And this is, again, he's describing himself. Suicide, addiction, unemployment, anxiety, depression, hopelessness, and the list goes on. But he's rejected offers worth millions of dollars. He says, I don't want six tour buses, 15 tractor trailers, and a jet. I don't want to play stadium shows. I don't want to be in the spotlight. I wrote the music... I wrote because I was suffering with mental health and depression. These songs have connected with millions of people on such a deep level because they're being sung by someone feeling the words in the very moment they were being sung. No editing, no agent, no bull bleep. Just some idiot and his guitar. Again, this is him talking about himself. The style of music that we should have never gotten away from in the first place. That makes it so hard for the enemy to be able to attack him, doesn't it? Because we're used to somebody who wants the money, somebody who wants the fame, somebody who's afraid of being canceled, and he says, you can't do that to me, at least so far. Now, I know we're early on in the process, and it doesn't mean someone won't get to him, but isn't it refreshing? Yeah, and and really, that's the most dangerous kind of person, a person who is honest and who lacks like we always talk about in Federalist 6, right? Ambitious, vindictive, and rapacious. The the man who's honest and who lacks that kind of ambition is uncontrollable. You can't control that person. Mm-hmm. So it makes them incredibly dangerous. And so I think not only is he dangerous to the left, but he's dangerous to the record labels that are threatened by his success. He's dangerous to all of the folks that are the antithesis, the Richmond, north of Richmond, of the words that he's singing. So um, I love that about that guy. You know, I, I pray that all of us can be that dangerous so that we can all be that honest and lack that kind of selfish ambition. That's, that is what—those are the kinds of fighters and, and messengers that it's going to take to get us out of this. There's no question. And I think one of the— other aspects of this, Gary, is that the reason the people in power are so threatened by this, they're not threatened by him, of course, as an individual. They're threatened by the fact that what he has said, Mm. because it has resonated with so many people, that they know that there are millions of people who don't agree with what they're doing. So they don't don't fear that one man is going to be be able to overcome their power, but suddenly they recognize that, oh my goodness— all of these things that we've been doing are not done in secret anymore, and people are aware of it, and people are fed up with it. Um, and so when they try to shut him down or to co-opt him, which is what they're trying to do now, the aim is not him. The aim is to quiet it so all of the rest of us will not be—because they are afraid of people, right? Tyrants are always afraid of the people. And did you see the video of all of the different— um 
folks that that were listening to his song like kind of jamming yeah. to it like i'm glad you, know, you mentioned that. black people white people people that that typically maybe would listen to rap music or hip-hop or latino people or who i mean it it, it broke like all the cultural did. barriers and then. it kind of brings a tear to your eye didn't yeah. it it's it's i i had someone send that to me and said this brought a tear to my eye i don't know who put that together but it was amazing you could see people listening to the song getting the lyrics and different people had different expressions or, or different um, uh, excitement to different parts of the lyrics. But yeah, that sh- that also shows yep. that this is not a, quote, conservative thing. This is not a white thing. This is across the entire country. This song has hit um, and struck a chord. That, and that's what's, that's what's dangerous. Yes. Because if you're able to bring healing and break down the destruction that the that the Black Lives Matters folks tried to, to accomplish. And instead of dividing races, you start to bring people together on on a common understanding of what it means to be an American and family values and our desire to uh to 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 worship, to just be who we are. To you know if if yeah. you can actually begin to bring unity on all those things, yeah, I mean the Richmond and North of Richmond are gonna have some problems and- with that. And the the thing that's a so, dangerous force. The thing that's so beautiful about that is he he's just he's just telling the truth, right? He's he's and I'll, I'll quote again because what he says about himself is so powerful. He said, "There is nothing special about me. I am not a good musician. I'm not a very good person. I've spent the last five years struggling with mental health and using alcohol to drown it." Which, by the way, so nobody can say, "Well, he's mentally ill." He'd be like, "Yep." I am, yep. <laughs> right? He said, I'm sad to see the world in the state it's in with everyone fighting with each other. I've spent many nights feeling hopeless that the greatest country on earth is quickly fading away. The The honesty and the ability to be able to communicate with so many people without any pretension is what has made this song just incredible. And as you said last night, Gary, and we can get into that event, great event uh, last night, Tennessee Stands, he was playing to less than a hundred people when he would do concerts, right? Local. Yeah, he said, "Well, the place that that he showed up to to thousands now last week." He said, "The last time he played there, there were 20. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think it's pretty incredible. Yeah, good for him. So, let's talk about that event, um, which by the time this airs will be a week old. But Gary, you hosted. I had the privilege of being there with you, but it was primarily your Tennessee Stands hosted event. Uh, our first town hall, one of which we hope will be many. Great, great participation. I was excited. I thank you for letting me be involved. We had county commissioners, we had state representatives, and we had citizens debating, mm-hmm. right, in in a packed out uh, Franklin Mercantile. We had, we had citizens debating the representatives, and then we had the representatives debating the citizens, and then we had the citizens debating each other. And and I thought I thought all of that yeah. was wonderful. I mean, it was really a true town hall it was it was fiery it was energized i love it you know those are the kinds of conversations that we should be having and those are the venues man we're at a at a little uh thankful to the franklin mercantile you yes, know deli thank down, you. At, a, at a deli in downtown franklin you know having a town hall place was packed so no it was awesome you know and i have great respect for yeah, the county commissioners that were there and uh, and and also uh state representatives Todd Warner and Gino Bolso, and I have a great amount of respect for elected officials who can stand up in a room, talk about how they feel, why they're supporting a certain bill or an effort, 
get some dissent from a crowd, and simply stand firm and and respect their opinion, but not dismiss the crowd. Right. And and that was what was special, I think, about last night is you didn't have folks up there dismissing anyone. You had folks on both ends of, of various topics and conversations simply defending their position. And I think that's a that's a valid thing to do. That's America. And and actually conservatives want to have those kinds mm-hmm. of conversations. If you believe in the Constitution uh, and you believe in liberty, then you also believe in debate. And you are okay with with being disagreed with. <laughs> you you can stand up in a room and and disagree respectfully, but also vehemently defend your position. Yeah, I and and that is confidence in what you believe, right? If you're not insecure about what you believe, you can have those discussions. Whereas the world in which we've lived for a number of years now, uh, over a decade, is a world that's afraid to debate. Tyrants are always afraid to debate. They want to shut you down. They want to censor us. They want to disparage or, you know, invoke ad hominem attacks because they know. Well, remember, Rush Limbaugh, the late Rush Limbaugh, always used to talk about Barack Obama that way. His entire political career, he never had to debate his opponent. He would always destroy his opponent and take him out of the election so he could coast in. And that's 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 the M.O., of the political class today. They do not want to debate these things because they know they can't win on principle. They can't win the argument. They have to destroy their enemy. And reading the room, there was a couple of key points. So, I mean, clearly, I mean, by far, Kevin, I think you'll agree here, the the sentiment of the room was adjourn the special session yes. immediately. Or recess. Or recess. Yeah, I mean, that that is the the overall battle cry, I believe, in that room. And, uh, and, you know, so on that, and I, I want to make two points, but on that point specifically, you know, of course, uh, Representative Balso disagreed. You know, he he's of the opinion, and he's going to sponsor a bill or two, uh, that there are some valuable things we can do during this session, and that it's, and that it's, it's worthwhile, and that we can do some things to protect public safety. Um, of course, my opinion is that there's too much at risk, mm-hmm. and that these aren't the kind of issues that we debate over three days, which is what these special sessions typically end up being. So, uh, of course, the room vehemently disagreed. He stood his ground, but I loved it because we had Representative Todd Warner there, and he stood up. He says, hey, I, I, I really respect Gino, but I just want you all to know I'm voting to adjourn. Yeah. You know, he didn't, want, he didn't want any part of the, <laughs> the <laughs> debate or dissent. But, uh, see, the room was—, was um, And by the way, when he said that, I, I was squished up against the— that you know, the tiny little stage we had, yeah. and all I could see, I had to look down because I was, I couldn't otherwise, I'd be right in his, like at his um, scapulas, his, his chicken wings there. Yep. I looked down, I noticed that Todd Warner was wearing very nice boots. <laughs> he had awesome <laughs> nice. boots on last night. So good on, good on you, Todd. But uh, the great thing about that was, I think there was a, a large group of people that got to hear some well-reasoned argument from Representative Balso, but then I think he also got to hear from a room. He he texted me later. He said, I gotta tell you, I was I was shocked. I was I was a little surprised that your people were so adamant, you know, mm. to adjourn. So he I think that was a message seemingly that he had not heard that loudly yet. So wow. it was a good it was good for him. Wow. Okay. Hear. So that's I I'm glad. I'm glad that he heard it and I'm glad that he said that to you. But really? Yeah. I mean that was his that 
He said, you know, I, what I, has he, he been listening to? I don't know. He said, I was, I was really surprised hmm. to hear that from your group. But the, the next point where we all agreed on, and, and I will say that when, whenever Gino ran for office, one of the things I, I really liked about him, and I think one of the main reasons I, that I supported him and was excited about him running was, is because he's one of the only Republicans you will hear talk about the dangers of federal money. Yeah. Our governor and most of these squishes up there, they they think of it as free money. Mm-hmm. They they want it, and and they don't consider the entanglements. They don't consider the federal uh, encroachment, and and they don't remember that it's ours. That's right, taken from us, sent there, and then sent yeah. back in smaller proportions. And, in fact, Gino's explanation of that is that that money's been uh, what do you say it's laundered? It's been laundered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. So, yeah, because it comes back in smaller amounts and with a lot of strings attached. <laughs> yes. So he's been a huge proponent of getting federal uh, dollars out of the state as much as possible. And so when we talked about this bill that's being proposed during the special session that will expand the use of Medicaid in such a way that these federal Medicaid dollars are going to be used in mental health. And think about that for a second. You've got a governor who's calling a special session who's proposing to solve in his terms a public safety issue. But he's going to solve it with federal money vis-a-vis mental health, which means the state is no lo- – we're, we're no longer in control of making our own rules in, in terms of whatever this mental health is going to, thing is going to turn out to be. We're now relegating those regulations to the federal government. We're yep. su- we are submitting in that moment mm-hmm. to the regulations of a White House right now. That is anti-American. Mm-hmm. That is trying to destroy us. Yep. And uh, and might I say, I, I don't I don't have a whole lot of hope that we'll see anything different in twenty twenty four. I pray that I'm wrong. I really do. But with elections being the way they yep. are, yep. Well, you know how I think about. Oh, that. I know. And so we've got to do everything that we can to secure liberty here in the state. And and one of those things. And I, I was thankful for Gino being there last night and echoing that sentiment. One of those things is rejecting federal money in the mm-hmm. state of Tennessee. We have to reject those ties that bind. And didn't, when we shifted to the discussion, so we also had three of our commissioners yep. who were there, and uh, Mary Smith was leading that discussion. She also made reference to federal dollars, didn't she? Working its way into even county budget. Yeah, well, am I that, remembering correctly? Well, she was she was talking about it, it could be some federal money, but it was also a lot of state money. State she, money, she was, it's she was kind of the same thing, right? She was talking about the the tax abatements and incentives that the the county, in in her mind, in in, in a way, almost sort of forced to vote on. Like for example, I think we did a one point four or one point six million dollar tax abatement to uh, In and Out uh, here in Franklin and Williamson County for them to bring their corporate. Now, hey, look. Love in and out. Great, great, great company, good yeah. burgers, whatever. But I mean, buy your own land and build your own stuff. Right. You know, the idea that we are required to incentivize these companies to come to a state that there is already a, a great amount of intrinsic motivation to move here. Yeah. Right. I mean, there's a reason they're leaving California and coming to Tennessee. So from a from a taxpayer perspective, I just don't understand what the additional tax abatements are for. Right. Why are we giving away more money to a corporation? Yeah, you would think that 
if, if I'm part of the delegation that's encouraging a business like in and out which I love, my family loves, sure. I'm excited that they're coming here for their food. Great, uh, thank you. Their Christian mission is yes. fantastic, right? The, and their commitment. All the things. To it, yeah. But if I'm on the delegation from Tennessee that is encouraging this investment in these movies business, I would make the argument on all the, well, I, w- I would have a hard time doing it now because it's it's slipping away. But Tennessee, properly constituted, is and should be a free state. And you could make that argument as to why they would be so much less regulated, why it would be consistent with their Christian principles, why it would be consistent with their not wanting and not even allowing their employees to wear masks unless they have a medical. Love right? that. What, what it, by the way, and what an amazing move by yeah. a corporation. In yes, California. So, yeah. Of, of all places. So, but yeah, think of that. If, if the argument would just be made, but these, the, the, the people who go out and make the pitch from our government and our business and chamber of commerce, they always lead with, we'll give you tax abatement. Mm-hmm. Now, why doesn't my business get tax abatement? Right. I've been, I've been practicing law in the state of Tennessee for 31 years. Government's never promised to offer me tax abatement. Name a struggling small business on Main Street with 10 employees that ever got offered a tax abatement. Mm-hmm. And so that's... So we're picking and choosing. We're, we're picking and choosing, and that's that's always the problem. Mm-hmm. And, and and by the way, we're doing it with our tax dollars. Yep. You know, are, are, the, are the lack of tax revenue that we're going to see uh, in favor of someone else? Yeah, that's... Anyway, so I think what she was hearkening to was she felt... Even though the county commission uh, has to vote on that budget, that as a budget item, um, a lot of it is grant money granted, some of it through federal dollars, much of it from the state. And uh, I think she was communicating, you know, with this, we really feel like our hands are tied. We feel like we're under a great deal of pressure to to do this because, you know, if we say no, it it puts us in a a negative position because most of the the grant money is coming from the state. So. Um, Nonetheless, I think what she was communicating, though, on principle, though, I'm not for this. You know, we we should not continue to cede our tax dollars to corporate interests. And it always stuns me, even though I've heard it for years. And I remember going back to the days when I was chair of the Williamson County Republican Party and we used to challenge the commission. But I'll say it again because it warrants repeating all members of our audience need to know, if you're not aware, how much of the tax money that is raised in Williamson County and that is spent is spent on schools, right? Isn't it like 75, 80% of the budget every year is spent on schools? Yes, I don't remember the exact number, but but she said Williamson, so Williamson County, one of the wealthiest counties uh, in the country, mm-hmm. right? Williamson County's overall uh, budget was um, 700 and something Billion. billion, yeah, is it million? Million, million. it's got to be, gotta yeah, be billion. It's can't be billion. It's got to be million. Okay, well, I, no, wait, no, that's not right. Because the state, right, has a tr- has thirty one trillion or no, 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 no. That, yeah, I'm, I'm, the state's like fifty billion. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> so we're in the millions. So sorry, just want to be clear. We're, we're not in seven hundred billion. We may be in a few you, years. You but. could tell that we don't operate at those levels, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So never never had that much money, so I don't even know. <laughs> all right. So the county's budget is you know in, in the seven hundred million range. Still. And, and of that seven hundred million, five over over five hundred million is is for the uh, LEA for the local schools. Yeah. That's I mean that's almost the entire county budget. I remember it's really incredible. I remember 
little Mike Looney, who used to be the su- superintendent here, going up every year, like hat in hand, asking the commission, for, well, we need more money because if school A has, you know, this theater and that football field, we need this theater and football field over here. And the commission would always say, well, we have to give money to education. Yeah, it's endless. It keeps growing too, doesn't it? It's not which, just that it's over five hundred million, but which it's I don't, growing. Which I don't know includes also all of the bond debt that the county pays on for the buildings that continue to go up all around the county to support the schools. So it's just it's it's it was just it's it's when you really I think a lot of folks look, people, politicians run and talk about money for education. That always sounds great. Yes, of course we love our kids, all those things. But when you really start to look at the numbers and how we're spending our dollars, it's it's quite incredible. I, I don't. I think if most people knew that, what I mean, about seventy five percent of our county budget, roughly seventy yeah. percent or so, is going to local schools. I think they'd be quite shocked. Yeah, because that leaves, and, she, and then she went to another category. But when she finished, she said those, that leaves us then twenty percent for everything else: law enforcement, roads. Yeah. I mean, I, parks and recreation is not that important, but that was part of it. In fact, that was one of the areas where they talked about cutting back, right? The city should not be investing so much of <laughs> spending so much of our tax dollars on parks and recreation. How many more parks do we need? Sell these off. There's there's private businesses, private uh, interests who would buy those. Uh, yeah, but it was great. I, the reason I brought that up, Gary, is I think we have one in two months, right? In October. Yes, we'll be back. We'll have another town hall in October. And of course, you know, folks who are listening to this across the state of Tennessee, uh, we've already seen some comments on social media. Hey, you know, when are we doing one in Rutherford County? When are we doing one, you know, in, in other counties? So um, no promises, but, um, you know, reach reach out to us. Send us an email at info at TennesseeStands.org. I mean, we, we never know. Caravan. Yeah, we'll just take it around the state and... Make make a little bit of noise, but it was it was, it was a, great. We thank yeah, thank everybody that came out yeah. because your support made it it made it it made it exciting, and it it felt just dynamic last night. And um, that's the kind of event you want to have. Yeah. So before we began, Gary, our producer suggested one of the things we might do on today's podcast is have a little uh, betting because. Unofficial betting, right? Not not illegal betting, and not actually real betting. But can, if we were, you betting. can send your bets to PO Box. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, because when this podcast goes live, will be perhaps at the third day of this special session, right? Because it's supposed to start on Monday, the twenty first yeah. of August. Yeah, so this will be the we'll be right in the middle. So, Gary, if you had a if you had a crystal ball and you believed in crystal balls. So all of that is already, you know, <laughs> un, a lot of unargued assumptions. What what do you think is happening as our audience listens to these words from our mouths? What do you think is really going on? Well, in, in terms of uh, the bet on when the session is going to end? When adjourn? is it going to end? Is it going to end? Did it start? Is it, has there been, you know, violence? What what kind of bills have well, been passed? Well, two thoughts. I mean, realistically, regardless of, of how much we've him and hawed about adjourning or recessing, which I, which I absolutely believe is the right thing. And I think there are so many Tennesseans that believe the same way. Um, it, it, it seems to me that these guys are going to proceed and, and, you know, in the words of Bill Lee, quote unquote, do something. Okay. So we would agree a hundred percent on that one. So I think as of the time that this podcast is live, there'll be, uh, they'll be continuing to operate 
in opposition to the consent of the majority of Tennesseans. I think so. Yeah. And I and I think and I think it'll probably go till Friday. Okay. I, I don't see it going into the following week. Okay, so I'm curious about that. Some somebody else said that last night too at the town hall. Why do you think that? What's magic about one week? Well, it, well, it's just typical. It's what's normally expected during a special session because, um, and again, the reps who were there last night hinted to the fact that, you know, these bills that are going to be brought forth, more than likely, this has already been set in stone. I mean, they already know what they're going to pass. But we didn't. That's right. We we didn't get the opportunity to see the hmm. bills and, and look into it and, and inform. If, if only we lived in a republic, In a republic. Gary. Wouldn't that be something? Where you can instruct your representatives, wow. uh, as our Constitution actually says. Or I think it's Article 1, Section 23. Mm. So, you know, I, I think that the for the most part, the cake is already baked. Leadership knows what they're going to pass and what they're not going to pass. Most of the... GOP folks up there are going to fall in line in the steps of the leadership as they typically do. We will have, you know, a few conservatives that are going to stand and make motions to adjourn and all those types of things. But but here's another little caveat that none of this is really taking into into an account, and it's what we sort of mentioned last week about. Um, uh, Metro Nashville Police Department. Oh yes, the danger. Actually, igno- publicly acknowledging mm-hmm. the danger that they first the, the danger to public safety. By the way, uh, as you stated, and um, telling anyone that any folks that work downtown Nashville to stay home mm-hmm. because the, it's going to be too dangerous. I, depending upon what that danger level is, I think that that also could possibly have an impact um, as to whether or not, you know, look. I personally expect it to be pretty bad down there, and I'm and I, I don't have any problem saying publicly, yes, I'm an advocate for liberty, and yes, I'm I often go down there and fight for liberty. But I'm just telling you, I also I love my family, and, yeah, stay and out of town. I will not be in Nashville next mm-hmm. week. I'm just I won't. Um, so, you know, I, I think depending upon what we see happen and what the danger level actually is, I do believe that these state legislators i do think they are at risk i think they are physically in harm's way um at at a at a greater level than they saw at the end of last session when people just came to the capitol and made some noise i think this is going to be much greater than that don't you think gary it kind of in the same uh, on a parallel path if representative uh gino bolso was not as aware of the angst that people had about this special session, right? He was surprised at the pushback and and the desire for adjournment. I get the same impression, tell me whether you agree, that they also are not really cognizant of how violent this could be. Of the danger. And so, yeah, and I I think that's the case. And, And I don't know that any of us really are. So depending upon what we see take place on Monday... You know, I, I wouldn't be completely shocked if if that if that in and of itself might cause the General Assembly to go ahead and adjourn. Um, you know, there's a lot of other good constitutional reasons to adjourn, but I think the threat of your life being taken because you're just showing up to do your job might also cause you to adjourn as well. So, I I, th- I think that's a that's a reasonable thing to be looking out for, and we'll have to see what plays out. Something else that occurred to me this morning. And uh, we are recording on a Friday afternoon before the Monday session began begins. 
<laughs> begins began. I hope, but am a little bit apprehensive that something might go on over the weekend, you know, to either increase the danger or, but under the guise of this is why you need to take away the gun rights of law-abiding citizens. So I'm on high alert just in general in the Nashville area. What kind of shenanigans are going to be pulled by the enemy, which is a reason to stay not just out of downtown Nashville, but to be aware wherever you are, Williamson County, Murray County, Sumner County, any of the surrounding counties. I just think it's the left operates this way and they push and they push and they push and they're driven by Marxist principles, which are violent. So I think watch your back. Intimidation. Yeah. Gary, I was going to ask you something. If so, this is Wednesday when this goes live. Do you think that Gino Bolso's legislation will be heard and or passed? Because he felt pretty confident last night that let's put put it in context. His justification for not adjourning was, he said, I'm going to take this opportunity to pass this, what he described, I think, as a great piece of legislation, right, to be able to secure schools. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know if that will even be heard. Do you think his, his bill will even get out of committee? And if you're, I, if you're voting, if, or if you're, if you're a betting man, and here we are in advance, do you think it's going to get heard? Oh, it'll get it'll get heard. It'll probably go through a committee. Will it make it to the floor? Um, my my guess is is, is going to be no. I'm going to guess no. I could be absolutely wrong. But the only reason I'm guessing no is based on what happened in the special session of 2021. Mm-hmm. Because what we saw during COVID, whenever we called uh, the General Assembly, called the special session uh, to protect folks from getting fired left and right. You know, there were I think it, there were 80 bills filed. That's amazing. And uh, which which dealt with patients' rights. I mean, a, a whole host of really important issues to secure the rights of individuals with everything we were seeing through COVID, whether it be from uh, local government mandates, boards of health, or um, employee-employer situations. And the, it's almost like they, they patted them on the heads like children and allowed them to sort of yeah. file their bills and talk about their bills for a, a day and a half. But at the end of the day, they closed all the committees, killed all the bills, uh, filed an amendment on an inconspicuous caption, mm-hmm. and always the and, caption and came up with, I think, if I remember right, an, an 18-page omnibus bill, which basically represented everything, like I said earlier, that they had already intended to pass. That is usually how a special session goes. So, you know, it's it's all it's all pretend, it's all a show, and everybody's filing bills, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that. But at the end of the day, leadership has already made the decision, and at some point, they're going to throw down the gauntlet, they're going to shut everything down, and they're going to they're going to pass their omnibus piece of legislation that is going to satisfy the do something from Bill Lee, and so that's. That's what I expect to happen only because that is the the typical MO for special session. So as you're as you're walking through that, the thought occurs to me, what would prevent someone, governor and legislature in the future, being that they can operate so freely and with rules that are different than normal legislative session, why wouldn't someone in that position, always rule by special session. Why have any regular session or 
Why do anything important in regular session? Let's save it all for a special session. So you have January through May every year. You've got your regular session. You know, you kind of push paper around and make it look like you're doing something. But all of your important items, why not keep having special session year after year? Come up with a different extraordinary circumstance. You know what? Let's not talk about that anymore. How about we not give them any ideas, Kevin? Let's 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 not give them any, any because but does, because to your to your point why not <laughs> it just it just it makes you feel unrepresented doesn't it yeah. if 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 even our own representatives can't pass for most of them not be able to pass bills of any importance and not that I'm advocating that passing bills you know they do more harm than good a lot of times it's about protecting our liberties but it just seems to me that the more they get away with actually ha- – and this is why, by the way, I interrupted myself, this is why I disagree with Gino. As a matter of principle, don't allow the special session to happen because no matter what bill you think you could get passed that is good for the protection of liberty and securing um, and defending our sovereignty, all of the bad that happens is procedural and – if they can do it now, it'll be easier for them to do it next time and easier and easier. And that's my principal objection to it. Yeah, it's important for for folks to know there's a lot of leeway as to how things can go down in a session like this because, you know, the, the House and the Senate both at the beginning of a General Assembly, uh, they, they pass the normal order of rules. They pass the way that they are going to do business in their chamber. And believe it's um i think it's article 2 section 12 of our constitution that that allows them to do that it says both chambers of the house shall set their own rules so they have the constitutional authority to do that but what everyone needs to understand is that when you go into a special session um those rules are set aside those rules those the rules of normal order are suspended mm-hmm. all right so the rules are are out the window and the, the Constitution gives the General Assembly a great deal of latitude in how it does its business. Um, so especially when you come into a session that's only, you know, really expected to last three or four days. There are a lot of processes and things happening behind the scenes to, to move bills down the road that I don't think are good, are very representative Um of good governance, uh, or, or at least governance that's representative of people that would like the opportunity to debate or inform their legislators as to how they feel about some of these efforts. And that, that on principle, that's a large reason why I'm against this on its face. Mm-hmm. You know, special sessions, again, I want to reiterate, when you look at Article 3, Section 9 of the Constitution, which gives the governor... The ability to call a special session, I want to remind everyone of the little qualifier in there. He does have the power to call the General Assembly in a session, but on an extraordinary occasion. Uh-huh. And so the idea behind this is this is supposed to be something that that must be dealt with now. you know. And, and maybe it's because we had a, a, a natural disaster, right, or some right. something that has taken out you know, our entire grid in Tennessee yeah. and, yeah. and you know, the, the governor's mission at that point has got to be to bring the legislature in to address issues that are urgent to care for the people of Tennessee. That's why that power is there. That power is not there 
to have a special session because you feel like it and you think it might be important. There are a lot of important things that should and can be addressed during the normal order of business between January and May, where people like you and me have an opportunity yep. to be engaged <clears throat> in those discussions. So on, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm against it for several reasons, but but for me— that that's the main one because this this simply ought not to be happening. And and at the end of the day, the governor is responding to the mob, and that is oh absolutely, and that is not a reason to call it's a, a horrible session. reason. Yeah, and here's something that I have not heard or seen, but bothers me, and I, it needs to be addressed. And that is the danger that we are putting other. States. I'm not talking about the blue states, but other red and red-ish states in. Right. Because this is the target state. This is the test run for the left. And if they can bully this rhino governor yes. into doing this. That's a great point. Then all they're going to do is after they accomplish their objectives here, before they come back and increase the pressure, they're going to go to another state and repeat the same thing. So if I'm in the state of, let's say, Iowa. Setting a precedent. I'm looking at Tennessee and saying, please hold the line, adjourn, recess, because if you don't, then they're coming after us. And so I think it's rather selfish of our legislature to just say, well, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this because it's important to dress in Nashville. No, you are leaving exposed and putting under more risk those in other states and you're inviting danger to their states. That is a really great point that I've not thought a lot about. And it's and it's interesting when you think about the influence that that may have on other red states. You know, the governor's mantra this year, uh, when he was re-inaugurated, his, the, the big banner above the stage says, you know, Tennessee leading the nation, you know? <laughs> and, and in fact, you, you, you might, maybe you might be, you know, I, I don't think you really necessarily have been on several issues before, but on this you might be, mm-hmm. and you might be leading it down a very dangerous path. Yep, that's a, that's a great prophetic. Point. Uh. Well, Gary, any anything else you want to throw in before we wrap up this one? I think that's about all I got right now. I'm so focused on you know we, we we've got we're waiting on so much to see right now right. and what's going to happen on this uh, special session. And uh, again, my hope and prayer. Look, certainly I pray for everyone's safety. Mm-hmm. Um, God forbid that that any harm come to anyone, and so praying for folks' safety, um, that's number one. And uh, but secondly, praying that that God move in such a way, something happened that would convince these legislators that the right thing to do is yep. to recess or adjourn. Mm-hmm. That that's the right call here, and yep. um, but. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I I fully expect them to cooperate with Governor Bill Lee and do something. So we shall see. Mm. Well, until next week. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. Mm